Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MG, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine Podcast. As usual, before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to utilize this opportunity to give a huge shout-out and thank you to all the awesome people who've supported me over at patreon.com slash Quarantine. So, thank you to Mr. Big Bents, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neil Royal, Nick S., Infamous Fridge, and Frugal Brutal for supporting me. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash Quarantine for more information. Well, everybody, it's that time of year again. It's time for all us content creators to do a year in review about the year 2021 in the world of Magic the Gathering. So, like the awesome content creator I am, I had to come up and scramble to try to do a quick year in review. And, you know, honestly, just like my usual style, instead of trying to actually do a script or anything, I decided I might as well just wing it, see where it goes. So I hope you enjoy this nice little walk down memory lane of everything, at least my review of things that happened in 2021. So as we all really know here, 2021 was just a complete deluge of new sets. I mean, it just seems like preview season has been ongoing for the last three years, honestly, and that was just for 2021. It's It doesn't even count 2020 or any earlier years. And we've just gotten a barrage of new sets, not just standard sets, but supplemental sets. Also, all sorts of promos, mystical archives, special sets, promo sets, um, two-part sets. Just so many things have come out this year. And and, and I want to break them down a little bit uh, in, in, in order as best I can to just give my thoughts about each of these sets before I get into my own personal review or into my own personal review for the year so i'm gonna start out with call time which was the awesome metal uh metal set the the viking set uh that came out back in february and while i didn't really get a chance to play much call time i really enjoyed the feeling of a lot of these cards it was really cool to see a lot of the Norse mythology in here. There was a whole bunch of interesting cards in here, especially in Mono White. I'm calling you out, Doomscar, and also one of my favorite cards to run, uh, Cosmic Intervention, which is just an amazing card in its own right. I love playing that. It's a nice piece of protection for my white decks, especially in my own personal playgroup. But there were also just a lot of really interesting cards up and down this set it's unfortunate that i wasn't able to play sealed for this but i really wish i had because it was just really cool a lot of people really enjoyed the set it gave us some very 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 memorable commanders like finn the Fangbearer, especially which anasika got of the tree uh, just so many amazing we got a new kaya got nico eris uh for planeswalkers and especially then we got coma cosmo serpent out there which can take over games carter doom scourge just so many really really good cards that now you're seeing a lot at the end of the year in a lot of people's edh decks so i have absolutely no doubt that this deck or this set specifically was just great it it was a complete home run in every way i love getting a snow covered land in every pack that i opened and yeah there's only so much i can say about the set it was it was really great then we had to wait only one month until until we got Time Spiral Remastered, 
Again, I didn't really get too much in the set, so if you're looking for a more thorough review, definitely check out a whole bunch of other amazing content creators. But what's nice about this particular set is it allowed me to get my hands on some interesting reprints of cards that were, in some cases, outside my usual budget, or just I never really saw a use for until this set came out. Um, again, one of the cards that I really enjoyed picking up out of the set was a card called Rebuff the Wicked. It is a white card, obviously, surprise, surprise, and it's an instant and reads counter target spell that targets a permanent you control. I am trying to run this card in my Alenda CEDH deck because, again, there's always been a knock on white that it can't really do a lot of interaction. Well, guess what? This is a one-mana counter spell that hopefully can stop someone from messing with one of your important pieces on the board. And at a one-cost one counterspell, that is amazing, at, even at the highest levels of magic. that you, you really can't beat that level of efficiency. But this is also a set that gave us a Pact of Negation reprint. This is a set that gave us uh, another good card, Pongify, was re was reprinted in this set. Uh, going down the list here, Damnation. Um... Just so, so many good cards. Living End was reprinted. We got a new Miri the Cursed out of this set. Slaughter Pact. Uh, Red, Monoretochroma. One of my favorite cards, Empty the Warrens, was reprinted in this set. Just so many amazing things. Wheel of Fate was in here. Uh, yeah, just, just a great set. And I, I just really enjoyed being able to get my hands on some really solid reprints at a very low cost. It was really nice to be able to start putting some of these cards that I had seen, but wasn't really quite sure if I ever wanted to pick up, and finally be able to get those into my decks. And who doesn't like getting the Urborg or Vesuva uh, reprints out of the set for the Rare Lands, or even Dryad Arbor, or Gemstone Caverns, or my friend uh, Peter, a.k.a. Mono Whiteboard's favorite, Flagstones of Trocare. Yeah, a lot, lot of great stuff out of the set, and um, yeah, just a whole bunch of cool stuff. Can't say enough about that. Then we ended up getting Commander 2021, which was tied in with Strixhaven that came out in April. And Strixhaven was really interesting, again, because it brought a pretty well-known fantasy trope into Magic the Gathering. And I think that Wizards did an amazing job at doing this. The cards feel flair flavorful. It brought me one of my favorite cards from the year, Secret Rendezvous. Sorcery for one white white says you and target opponent each draw three cards. I did a whole podcast episode with my friend Coach Jero about this card. I love this card. But again, just when you go up and down the list, there are so many really cool things in the set. I love the flavor. The story was interesting. And it's just a really awesome set that if someday they could ever go back to this uh back to this plane, it'd be really awesome, because I think that there's a lot of ground that they didn't cover in the story and the lore there that could easily be covered in another, in, in, in a return to this plane. So, yeah, th th this is another set where I think not being able to go to a pre-release really hurt it for me, but again, when I look at all the cards, and I've picked up cards from my various EDH decks, there's just so much good stuff in here top to bottom. I I think this might be my favorite set of the year, honestly. it's It just had so much flavor, had just awesome cards, a whole lot of interesting support in Boros Colors that got a lot of people interested in the Loreholds College specifically, uh, Brought hopefully brought a lot of people into understanding that red and white are really good together. Yeah, so again, j just an amazing set, and 
a lot of cool stuff came out of this one. And again, I would be uh, bereft if I didn't mention the awesome Mystical Archive cards that came in the set too. Amazing artwork. So, so nice. I was able to pick up a few of these. Obviously, there's more more cards than I can uh, can look at in one in one sitting here, seemingly. But ju just a lot of great art for some really good cards. And I, I highly recommend picking some of these up if you can for your decks, because you will not regret it. Then we ended up with Modern Horizons 2 two months later. And again, what else can be said about the set that hasn't already been said? So much power, a lot of new modern playable cards. I've run to so many people in person, also online, talking about how a lot, like the Evoke creatures or Ragavan, for instance, have just completely changed the, the tenor of the modern format. And it's really interesting to see how one set can have such a big influence on multiple formats. But yeah, it's it's great. I, I can't really say enough about this set. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So if, if you have a chance to pick up a pack or two of Modern Horizons 2, definitely do it. It's It's worth your time. Then we have Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which, again, I'm not necessarily hugely bullish on because I'm not really into D&D much, but again, it's very flavorful for everyone who is really invested in tabletop RPGs uh, like Dungeons & Dragons. It's a great set full of references that, unfortunately, I don't necessarily get in a lot of cases, but uh, if, if you are in... If you really do enjoy... D&D, this is a great set for you. There, there's a lot of really cool stuff that came out, a lot of interesting legendary creatures. Uh, again, I'm going to mention Peter again. He got all of his venture triggers going into the dungeons. He built so many dungeon decks. It's it, it's crazy. I've, I've faced off against his uh, Leroy Jenkins deck uh, multiple times, and it's, it's always fun to see him run through the Tomb of Annihilation as many times as possible. Because, uh, again, that's just fun. Uh, let's be honest here. It's it's fun seeing him uh, seeing him play with, with Nadar, Selfless Paladin. Moving on, we end up with the two-part Innistrad sets. And that's Innistrad Midnight Hunt and Innistrad Crimson Vow. Innistrad Midnight Hunt was my first in-person pre-release since January of 2020. And, well, I didn't do very well in the games. I enjoyed just being back around people again. And I did, I actually, no, I, I did win a game. Never mind. I, I take that back. I, I did win my last match of that pre-release. So I was able to win a pack, which is the first time I've ever won a pack at a pre-release before. So I was pretty happy. Um, anyway, I actually, now that I think about it, yeah, I still haven't opened that pack. At some point I might end up framing that pack since it's the first pack I ever won at a pre-release. And, you know, for years, people sing songs about the day that I won a pack. So, you know, <laughs> fun things like that. But yeah, it, it was an interesting set. It was my first trip to Innistrad as a as a existing player. And it was just interesting to see the story, the lore, but also just, uh, you know, get to see what was cool about Innistrad, returning characters, returning themes, but also just getting to see some interesting new design space for multiple colors and just, you know, a lot, a lot of really cool stuff, especially in red. Red got a lot of really cool stuff in, in these two sets, so that, that was really nice to see. And then Crimson Val was basically the, the, the other side of that coin, too, is that Red just got a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, again, my friend Ryan of the Control Room fame and I did two at a giant pre-release, got to do that. That was a lot of fun. And we almost went two and one. So I'd say we did pretty well at that pre-release. But yeah, just talking about the set... 
There's a lot of really cool stuff in here. I ended up pulling a Tox Roll out of that pre-release, so uh, that'll be interesting to see if I ever decide to brew that, especially the CDH direction, since Toxrill is really hot right now as a commander in that part of the format, so we'll see. But yeah, Red, again, got a whole bunch of really cool stuff out of that set, so again, I'm really excited to see where this goes in the, in the future. And that'll about do it for all the different sets and my thoughts on those different sets from 2021, so let's take a look back on my own personal accomplishments from 2021. So, yeah, this year started where I was trying to find new ground to, to work on the podcast. I had been talking for about six months about the things I really enjoyed about the game, but I felt like me talking into a microphone, kind of feeling like talking into a void, wasn't necessarily uh, the, the way I wanted to take this pot, this particular podcast. So I decided to start bringing guests, people from the community who I've been meeting on Twitter and other avenues on to talk about magic. And it's honestly been a real lifesaver for this podcast. I've had so many great conversations over the last 12 months that, uh, you know, if you told me at this point last year that I'd be at this point with, with all the amazing collaborations I've done, I would have said you were crazy, honestly. Uh, it, it's been a great ride. Again, I can't thank everybody enough for taking the time to, to guest on my podcast. It's been great having everybody. Uh, if you're out there in the audience and you've been on the show, thank you so much for, for taking the time uh, to talk to me. It's been, it's been great, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And another thing that I have really, really knuckled down on in 2021 has been my deck building. Uh, again, in 2020, I was I was building some decks. I had some decks. And I was working on them, kind or kind of working on them. But it was really in 2021 here where I really started to take a lot of risks when building my decks. And when I say taking risks, I don't necessarily mean uh, you know really going off the deep end of of the deck building uh, plane here. But what I mean is start really taking chances in my deck builds, really just kind of explore my own personal understanding of the game, you know, just start trying to expand my repertoire, try to just become a better brewer through work and constant tinkering with things. So I uh, quite a few of the decks that I've built that I consider to be my quote-unquote signature decks, this being Kothvet Soul Hoarder, Selenia Dark Angel, Five Color, five color Colorless Najila, Sithis, for instance, all of these cards were built in, or all these decks, excuse me, were built in 2021 here, when I was no longer afraid to just let my complete jank brewer-ness uh, completely out and have free reign over everything. I have built so many decks this year, it's absolutely insane. And while not all of them have really stuck around, a lot of them are still in my permanent collection in my rotation. And I, again, I just love brewing new decks. I have tons of ideas. It seems like there almost a day doesn't go by when I don't have a crazy idea for a new deck that then I typically have to say, eh, I don't know if that'll fit. But once in a while, there will be an amazing deck that really comes along along the pipeline. Like recently, uh, my Kirk the Thumbless deck, a deck I call Boros Party Favors, because you're never quite sure what you're going to get out of this deck, um, is, is definitely one of my favorite new decks that I've built, because, again, Kark is hilarious. Uh, it's, a to it's a Boros Tokens deck. 
I love token decks, but also just the fact that Krark is hilarious because of all the coin flipping is is great. And it's kind of turned into a weird Boros Storm deck, and I, I, I just love everything about that deck. Again, huge shout-out to friend of the show, Scoop Phase, for giving me an awesome, one-of-a-kind altar of Krark the Thumbless that looks like he's dressed up in a Halloween costume as Karn Silver Golem. So thanks, Scoop. You really made this deck possible. And just, you know... Try again. Twenty twenty one for me as a brewer was also trying to find my niche as a brewer. Uh, I've I've spent a lot of time on this podcast over the many months I've been podcasting, talking about trying to build janky decks in a kind of a fun, weird way, and I love doing that. But more recently, I've also tried to put a different spin on that and try to find commanders that have a reputation in them and then try to find an interesting and unique way to put my personal spin on them so that I can try to hang at my usual playgroup table without feeling like I'm being overbearingly oppressive. And this has been accomplished with both the Colorless Nigila deck that I mentioned before, as well as my Anya Falconrath cycling discard madness reanimator something like that deck. And Those are two examples of me finding a commander that I want to build around, but I don't necessarily want to boost the optimization on because I want a personal challenge to try to bring the power, quote-unquote, power of those decks down. And again, the the results have been kind of mixed with the Anya deck, but the Najila deck has been an absolute home run Um, in, in, in that it takes a very busted commander, really no matter how you build her, and tries to make it somewhat fair, if, if you can really say that about Najila, by running just lands that produce colorless or some of the filter lands. And it, it, it's really fun to be able to just sit down with that and people are, oh my god, it's Najila, what, what am I going to do? And then relax, relax. It's colorless Najila. And then people are really interested in seeing what you have there when you drop a random Tron land and like a Cascading Cataracts or something. You know, just... Cards you probably wouldn't necessarily see in a normal Najila deck, but in that deck just are, are part of the course. It was fun just pulling a whole bunch of random colorless lands out of my uh, out, out of my box of draft chaff and just being able to throw them in there and just have fun. It's it's a great deck, and I I really I really enjoy it for for that. <clears throat> so yeah, it's 2021 has really been a good year for me figuring out exactly how I like to brew decks and really defining that technique, refining that technique, and defining it both. Another interesting thing from 2021 was I finally decided to throw my hat into the ring into CDH. Again, I've talked a lot about that recently on on this podcast. I've had some great people on to talk about it, and I will hopefully be getting more people on to talk about CDH here in the future. But I finally decided, you know what? It's time that I give CDH a try. A lot of people talk about it. A lot of great people talk about it. I might as well throw my hat in the ring and see what I think. And I'm only two games in, and I really enjoy I really enjoy it is that the opportunity to play extremely powerful cards, just like their old hat, is really uh, quite empowering. I, I did a whole episode on the five things that I learned from my first games of CDH uh, a, a little while ago. If you're interested in hearing more about my first thoughts, definitely check that episode out. It's a great listen if you haven't. And if you had, if you have listened to it, you, you kind of know where I'm going with this, is... The fact that I'm playing CDH is one great thing, but then also the fact that I felt compelled to build a homebrew for my first real games of CDH was also definitely something that's part of the course for me. I I know that in my podcast I talk about that I never want to really do what everyone else is doing. I always want to do my own thing. And so when I built this deck 
while I did take a lot of input from some great people and definitely refined the deck, it still kind of looks like an MJ deck, you know? It's still got some pieces of the jankiness that I like to throw into my decks, and that's maybe trading a little bit of the optimization and efficiency just for some high-ceiling, uh, potentially low-floor cards that may be dead sometimes, but may come out of nowhere to win games other times. So, uh, yeah, my Atlantis EDH deck is great. I'm going to keep working on that in the 2022, and hopefully we'll find out where that goes in the coming years. I've also had an opportunity to really mess around with some other color shifting of strategies like my good friend Coach j is always doing. I have tried to find some ways to bring different strategies to different color pairings. It doesn't always work, but again, it's just it's fun being able to play around in the deck brewing sandbox. Uh, again, I also want to give another shout out to my old fogey deck, a deck I have affectionately called 20 Black Lotuses and 20 Fading Counters, because it's a deck specifically about casting old fogey and then moving the age counters for his cumulative upkeep off of him and just, you know, playing old fogey. It's just, it, it's fun just being what it is. And uh, again, I I just love brewing. Brewing is fun. It allows me to really get a lot of those creative impulses out of my head and into a into a proper medium. And, and, and then it's just fun to be able to play decks that get people to say, hey, that was really fun. How do you build it or why do you build that? And then, you know, all of a sudden you've started a conversation. And that's what I really love about EDH. Outside the game is just starting conversations with people. It's really fun. And again, it, it cannot be understated. It's It's great. Another thing that I started doing in 2021, and this is uh, coming from another friend of the show, Andy Fleury of the Guardian Project podcast, what he did in 2020, was making a note of all the games that I have played in the year 2021 to try to see what some of the themes were in my playing style and also trying to figure out which my decks were overperforming versus underperforming and utilizing that to tailor the experience in my playgroup specifically to try to keep things more even there. And I'm happy to say that uh, I think it's really been a useful useful tool for me to really see what's doing well in my playgroup and what's maybe not doing so well. And taking some of the decks that are doing way too well and maybe oppressive out of the rotate or out of the regular rotation anyway when I'm playing against my regular playgroup. Because again, I, and again, I, I will talk about this more in an entire episode regarding that specific list. But what I will say is that I have definitely noticed a change in my own habits throughout the year of what I'm playing, not just based on who I'm playing with, but also just based on, what one, what I'm trying to get out of the game, and two, also trying to avoid the decks that I feel could be somewhat oppressive. And so those get kind of pushed down the list, and other ones that I feel are more kind of mid-rangey, mid-level decks, I guess, just see a whole lot more play. Also, I've kind of figured out what my signature decks are, my favorite decks are, and those obviously get played more than the than the average deck out of my ridiculously long list of decks that I have. Uh, but I think really what the, the big thing that I've gotten out of 2021 is, is just the camaraderie out of the Magic the Gathering community. Uh, there, there's definitely some times where the community can be kind of overbearing, especially when new cards come out, new sets come out, we get to preview season, there's a lot of vitriol about Wizards, why do you print X card, or you know, why isn't White getting X card, and I mean, w- when you wade through that, through those knee-jerk reactions, you really start finding the, the amazing members of the community who are just out there trying to just have fun with this amazing format. I mean, Magic really is a game for everyone. 
And honestly, when we can all come to a, an understanding about that game, that's when things really shine. So I really want to give another shout out to everyone who I've collaborated with or met during this past year. Because again, 2021 hasn't necessarily been the easiest mental year for me. There's been a lot of challenges outside the podcast for me, just, you know, trying to trying to deal with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and, you know, just um, just a lot of other things outside of magic and the podcast and magic has really kept me interested. It, it's been, it's given me something to hang on to when the rest of my life is sometimes feeling a little wayward at times and having people who are out there who are going through the same things, but also share my love of magic and uh, are great to play with great people. Um, that that's been a real, that's been a real, real boon for me the last 12 to 18 months here. And I, I really can't thank everybody enough who's been on the show or who I've just met, played a game with whatever, because y'all are the real rock stars out there. You're, you're really what makes magic the gathering this great game. And I really couldn't do this without everybody. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for being a part of my life and a part of this podcast, because it means a lot to me. It really does. And really, that's my uh, 2021 in year in review. I mean, I suppose there are a few other things I could talk about here. Again, I want to give another huge shout out to j for all the money he has raised, like for suicide prevention. He's raised almost $10,000 this year for charity. So keep up the good work there, j You're You're hopefully able to change a lot of lives with the money that you're, you're raising right there. And again, I want to give another huge shout out to the awesome guys who have been working with me on our series on Mono White. Again, that's j Peter, aka Mono Whiteboard, and Charles, Mono White guy. Again, I've had a lot of fun talking with those three about Mono White. I've really been able to become a better brewer, especially of the color white in Magic, uh, through talks with them. So a lot of my development as a brewer has definitely boiled down to this, the discussions I've had with them. And then just the the various people who I've played with on a regular basis, uh, especially like a friend Phil from Neo Royal House of Pricey Cardboard. It's been great being on his show. Uh, Fitz, it's been great. The, uh, at least at least in games where I'm not continually getting mana screwed. But again, that's not his fault. So uh, thanks, Fitz, for for being out there, being a pal. And again, just so many other great people. And and again, it, it's not fair for me to just call out a few people when everyone's just been really awesome to work with. So I'm, I'm going to stop there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun year to do this podcast and I really can't wait to see where things go in 2022. Hopefully I'll have some amazing content, amazing, more amazing people on the podcast to talk about all things magic gathering. And we'll just see where that goes. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. If you'd like to find the entire back catalog of all the episodes I've done this year, as well as all the episodes I've ever done on this podcast, you can find those on the usual podcast outlets. That is Google, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rocket Cast, Pocket Cast. Uh, yeah, j- just a whole bunch of places. If, if it's a major podcast outlet, odds are I'm probably on there. So check me out on any of your local podcast outlets. You can also find me on Twitter at, at MTGN Quarantine. If you find the happy-looking Ulimog wearing a pair of headphones, you found the right place. You can also find most of my decks on my personal Moxfield profile over at moxfield.com slash deck slash MTGN Quarantine, I think. Oh, sorry, moxfield.com slash users slash MTG in quarantine, all one word. 
and you can find most of the decks, especially the ones that I talk about on a regular basis, they're all there. And I want to utilize this opportunity uh, again to give a huge shout out and thank you to the awesome people who've supported me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So another huge year-end shout out and thank you to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Neil Royal, Nick S., Infamous Fridge, and Frugal Brutal for supporting me. If you'd like to help support the channel, help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to this year-end episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a Everybody, I hope you've had a great 2021. Here's hoping to a great 2022, and I'll talk to you later.